We're looking today at the question, what on earth am I here for? What on earth am I here for? There's the story of a young Swedish woman who came to England to be a nanny and improve her English. When she heard the two kids in her care arguing and fighting in the front room, she is reported to have rushed in and said, what are you doing on earth? What she meant to say, of course, was what on earth are you doing? But maybe it's exactly the same thing. What are you doing on earth? What on earth are you doing? It's a vitally important question, and to answer it, we're going to ask three other questions that I hope will contribute towards this one whole question. First of all, the question of existence. Why am I alive? Second, the question of significance. Does my life matter? And then finally, the question of intention. What is my purpose? So here we go. Question of existence. Why am I alive? This is not a new question. People have been asking this question for thousands of years. Jeremiah asked this question many years ago, way back in the Old Testament. Why was I born? Was it only to have trouble and sorrow and to end my life in disgrace? There have probably been times in all our lives when we felt a bit like that. Was I born just for a whole bunch of problems? Was I born just to face heartache and stress? We hear echoes of these sentiments from all kinds of places. My life is a superb cast, someone said, but I've got no idea what the plot is. I hope life isn't a joke, said another, because if it is, I just don't get it. Carl Jung, the famous psychiatrist, said, I don't know the meaning, the purpose of life, but it looks as if something were meant by it. When 250 well-known philosophers, scientists, writers and intellectuals from all around the world were written to and were asked what they thought the purpose of life was, the answers that came back were terribly depressing. Some offered their best guess. Many admitted that they made up a purpose in life to live by. And most confessed that at the end of the day, they didn't really have any idea. Dr. Morehouse published his research and concluded, we do not know the purpose of life. We've got no idea why we are here. How tragic is this? Life without purpose surely is no life at all. Is it even worth living? And is it any wonder why so many people are on the edge of despair? Any wonder that society is hemorrhaging at the edges? There's no meaning, no purpose. You take God out of the equation. People are simply left with no idea, no idea why on earth they are here. And that anxiety at the heart of life having no idea what it's really all about, expresses itself in so many terrible ways. And if you do take God out of the equation, then there aren't many things that are left to help you make sense of this life. You can try the mystical approach. The mystical approach says, look within yourselves and find the meaning and purpose that is within you. If that really worked, All of us here would have meaning and purpose. We've all tried looking within to find that value that we 
are looking for. The trouble is that what we find inside us so often confirms only our worst fears. We find guilt and uncertainty and a sense of low self-worth and the yearning unanswered question, who am I? Sometimes playing at full volume deep within our hearts. In fact, the more often we look at ourselves, we look within, the more insecure we can become. Many of us survive through life by pushing down, pushing away those feelings from deep within inside us. With busy, materialistic lives, we keep the lid on tight shut for fear of what those feelings might tell us. If some encourage then a mystical approach of looking within, others would encourage a philosophical approach. And there are many of them. The philosophy of the survivalist says the purpose of life is simply just to stay alive. Your goal is to live as long as you can. The naturalist says the purpose of life is to perpetuate itself. In other words, you're only here for biological reasons. We're here to reproduce. So just chill, multiply, and keep the species alive. Doesn't that motivate you to get out of bed in the morning? Might motivate you to jump into bed, but that's another story altogether. Oh, I exist simply to keep the species going. We don't know why we're here, how we got here, what we're made for, but our duty is to keep it going. I don't think so. The philosophy of the hedonist writes, the purpose of life is pleasure. Have fun. Party. Notice something, that those who say having a good time is to party all night are those who are often the most miserable during the day. Then the materialist says, Life is about the acquisition of things. And you might remember that maxim that we shared when we did the Money Madness series. He who dies with the most toys wins. People live by that rule. He who dies with the most toys wins. Let me tell you another one. He who dies with the most toys still dies. None of these things give to our lives a meaning of any depth. So others try the self-help approach. You can go to any bookstore and find hundreds of books to help you with this. They talk about discovering your life purpose for yourself. They're basically saying the same thing. Invent a purpose and then live for it. Give that purpose that you have invented all you've got. Discover your dreams, go after your goals, uh, seize your ambition, dream big, aim high, believe you can do it, have faith, figure out what you're good at, all of that stuff, which is good stuff. And if you put all of that into practice, you may well make a success of your life. But be warned. Being a success and knowing your purpose are very different things. And that's why many people have built great empires of success, of popularity, of fame, of fortune. But look back at the end of their lives and say, for all that I have done, my life seems to have no purpose, no real meaning. You see, the purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment. It's far greater than your own happiness, even your own peace of mind. You were made by God. You were made for God. And you were put here for His purpose. And until we understand that, life will never make much sense. Okay, so why does God want us here? Why are we alive? Why are we on this planet? Is there a reason? Well, the Bible says, 
And these 40 days are going to be about allowing the Bible to speak to us. The Bible says that the Lord has made everything for his own purpose. If you've got a pen and you like writing things, then underline or circle the word everything, because that's at the heart of this verse. The Lord has made everything for his own purpose, which is why you will hear Rick Warren say, every plant has a purpose, every animal has a purpose, and if you're alive, you have a purpose. And to be honest, if you're asking the question, do I have a purpose, and your heart is still beating, then the answer is yes. A beating heart in God's creation means you have a purpose. And to be honest, if you'd finished your purpose here on earth, what on earth, and I'm choosing my words deliberately, or why on earth would you stick around after your purpose was over and heaven awaits? God has five purposes for your life. And through these next 40 days, we're going to be looking at them together. The five reasons God put you on this planet. But before we look at those, you need to understand what is, I think, the most important thing for us to, sta- us to understand, maybe for the whole of these 40 days. The rest of the 40 days will make much more sense if you understand, not just in your head, but in your heart, what I'm about to say. Look at this next verse with me. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in his mind and settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. You might want to circle again, the focus of his love as the phrase that lies at the heart of that verse. God says, he made you to love you. Write this down in the space. God says, I was created to be loved by God. I was created to be loved by God. Notice something wonderfully liberating and astonishingly true here. If I was to ask most of you, what's the most important thing about your Christian life, you would say to me, probably, to love God with all that I am. That's the the first thing. That's the, the highest thing, the highest calling, the greatest understanding of the Christian faith. And of course, we'd all say, you were right. But no, not really. Of first importance, which makes everything else of secondary importance, of first importance is that God created you to love you. Not that you might love him. God created you to love you. Isn't that fantastic? God created you. Why? That he might love you. He made you to love you. He didn't need you. He wasn't lonely. But he made you in order to love you. He didn't need you. He wanted you. To be honest, folks, he still doesn't need you, but he still wants you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing on hallelujah. Quite exciting, really, isn't it? Andrew's nearly playing it. Before we can talk about anything else, you will not understand the other things. You will miss God's heart for you if you do not understand that first and foremost, in the core of your being, he made you to love you. You are here on earth to be loved by God. Why am I alive? To be loved by God. The question, secondly, of significance. Does my life matter? Again, an old, old question. 
Way back in the Old Testament, Isaiah is lamenting, my work all seems so useless. I've spent my strength for nothing and for no purpose at all. You were made for meaning. You were made for meaning. During World War II, there were prisoners in a Nazi concentration camp in Hungary that were processing human sewage in a factory. The Allies came along and bombed the factory and literally blew it to pieces. So there was no work for the prisoners to do. The Nazi soldiers instead had the prisoners to carry the rubble from the factory from where it was into the next field. When they'd got all the rubble into the next field, the Nazi soldiers made the prisoners carry it back again. When they'd got it all the way back to where they had started, they told them to take it back again. And this went on for several weeks, and a strange thing began to happen. They began to lose their will to live. They began to go crazy, deranged in their minds. Many of them began throwing themselves in front of the guards simply to get shot. A life without meaning is no life at all. Because like them, you and I were made to have meaning. And people go through life on three different levels, I think. And only one of them is a life with meaning. Many people, in fact most people in our world, go through life on what we might call the survivalist, the survival level. They're just in survival mode. Just living for the next day is enough. It's not living really, it's existing. They're controlled by their circumstances. And each day they wade through their troubles only to do the same thing all over again the next day. A step up from that, a better way to live, is not the survival level, but the success level. And to be frank, most of us, if not all of us here, live in the success level. By the world standards, we've got it made. We've got comfortable living compared to the rest of the world. We're extremely wealthy compared to the rest of the world. We've got possessions, freedom, good health, and so on. Even status and success through the things that we do. Why then, on Amazon, are there more books than you can count entitled things like, If I'm so successful, how come I'm so unfulfilled? The reason is this that it takes much more than success to satisfy, more than status to satisfy. What you need is the third level of living, which isn't surviving, and it's not even success. The third level of living is living the level of significance. Where do you start to live a life of significance? Well, the life of significance begins by knowing how much you matter to God. So how much do you matter to God? Well, read these verses with me. I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. It's God speaking to his people. I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born, even before no one knew you were coming. You were in my care. You scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. Excuse me. That's how much you matter to God. He made you to love you and nothing in your life, nothing at all, escapes his interest and attention. He made you to love you and nothing escapes his interest and attention. But look at the next verse. 
His plans endure forever. His purposes last for how long? Eternally. Are you anything more than a passing twinkle? Here today and gone tomorrow? Is your 70, 80, 90 years of life but an almost invisible dot on the stretch of the history of time? No. No. God's plan for you and God's purpose for you will last forever. In all professions, we come across people that we just can't stand. And uh, people that we don't naturally warm to or find it difficult to get on with. And it strikes me that being a teacher must be one of the worst professions for that because the child that you can't stand is there in your face every single day. He, and it's probably a he, is there right up in front of you every moment. How many teachers survive a difficult child or a difficult class by thinking that it's not forever? Only one and a half terms to go, hallelujah. Four weeks, it's Easter, two weeks holiday, then it's just one whole term to go. It's less than five months to summer and he's off, praise God. Maybe you can't stand your boss. And the monthly hour you spend with your boss, or whatever it might be, is a painful one for you, but you psych yourself up. Come on, it's only an hour. I'm in. 59 minutes to go. Right, okay, one down. 50 minutes to go. 10 minutes to go. Hey, five, four, three, two, one. Slam the door, you're out, off. Oh, thank heavens it's not forever. I've done it again. Significance comes from knowing how much you matter to God. And if you're not sure how much you matter to God, then write this down. God says about you, I made you to last forever. I made you to last forever. I was created to be loved by God and I was made to last forever. When this tent we live in, our body here on earth is torn down, God will have a house in heaven for us to live in, a home he himself has made which will last forever. You matter so much to God that he wants to keep you with him for the rest of eternity. He wants to keep you with him forever. That's how significant you are. Which is why in Proverbs you have verses like this which are about lifting your head and lifting your heart and knowing that you are somebody. Leave your impoverished confusion and live. Walk up the street to a life with meaning. Why? Because you know that your life is significant. He wants you to live with him forever. So the question of existence, why am I alive? God answers it by saying, I made you to love you. That's why you're alive. And to the question of significance, does my life matter? God says, you matter so much that I have made you to be with me forever. And then thirdly, the question of intention. What is my purpose? And again, there's nothing new about the question. David in the Old Testament, why did you create us? Was it all for nothing? Where's it going? What's it all about? Probably the greatest atheist of the last century, Bernard Russell, an English man, said that unless you assume the existence of God, the question of life's meaning and purpose is irrelevant. In that he was absolutely right. You see, if there is no God, you are just a freak. A chance of nature. Excuse me. You're a random accident. 
You're nothing more than some complex pond scum that mutated slightly differently from some other pond scum. And if that's true, if that's true, then guess what? Your life doesn't matter. If somebody wants to take your life, they could. Why? Because there's no real reason, there's no meaning, there's no purpose in you being here. You're just a freak. It's just a random accident. Nothing to worry about, nothing to care about. No rights, no responsibilities, no meaning, no purpose. A freak. But if there is a God, and if He created you, then your meaning and your purpose surely can only be found in Him the creator of your life. Tomorrow's daily reading, today is day one, by the way, folks. We'll say a bit more about that perhaps later on. Those of you who are a few days ahead, well, God bless you. Those of you who, are, uh, who haven't even thought about it yet, find your book quick. Today's day one. Tomorrow is a liberating reading. Tomorrow reminds us that we are not a freak of nature. We are not an accident. And we will remind ourselves tomorrow that whatever the circumstances of our conception and birth, we were not a surprise to God. But long before even our parents knew we were coming, God knew and God took delight and pleasure in the fact that we were coming into his world. If you have struggled with a cloud of uncertainty over your life, either because the circumstances of your uh, conception were not God-honoring, or you came through circumstances other than a loving relationship, or your coming was unexpected or unwanted, hear this today and tomorrow. God planned you. God wanted you. God loved you even before you were born. There was never a moment when you were a surprise to him. There was never a moment in history when you were an accident to him. And that must be healing to all of our hearts. And for goodness sake, don't let Satan turn that liberating truth from God into some kind of lie. You see, Satan whispers in our ears, if your birth was all God's plan, he says, then he couldn't have liked you very much to put you in a family like that. It is funny, but for some it's very painful. If God loved you, Satan will whisper, he wouldn't have put you in a family like that. They've been dreadful to you, and maybe they have. And so lacking confidence are we in the love of God that we find it so much easier to believe this this ridiculously uh, evil lie from Satan than it is to hold on to God's truth. And it has crippled many, many, many lives. Why did God allow me to be born into this family? God mustn't, couldn't have given me a second thought allowing me to be born into this place. Now, I don't know all the answers, but these three things are absolutely true. Number one, you are not an accident. And God loved you and made plans for your coming just as he's making plans for your heavenly coming. Number two, we live in a fallen and broken world where people do not behave as God intends. Being in the right family is no guarantee that your family behaved right. And for some of you, that's been a very painful experience in your lives. And number three, when your family has been anything other than what they should have been, know that God is very angry on your behalf. Know that God doesn't overlook what's happened in your home. 
and most importantly for your future, know that his healing presence is there now, even for pains that are long, long ago. A liberating thing that our coming has always been planned. I asked some of you to provide me with some tools where the meaning of them is not particularly easy to spot. This is the best one because it seems obvious. All right, Anna, if I do this? What's this for? Why would Anna have one of these? It's above board, honestly. Why would Anna have one of these? No? No idea? Keep thinking about that. Now, what's this for? Because the owner has absolutely no idea, and that's why he brought it this morning. <laughs> so any, any ideas on that at the end? This is the best one. I've got a big one over there, but I haven't got time to get that out. What's this for? When you make ladies' boots... Never made ladies' boots, no? No? Missed something there, haven't you? When you make ladies' boots, it's very difficult because they're long and come up to nail in the nails to keep the heel on. So you slip the nail in this little thing here, and then you put it in the boot and you hammer it down. Isn't that fantastic? There are many things, and there are more, hiding behind there. But you would not know what it was for. And if it was yours, you are very likely to abuse it because you don't know what it was for. You are very likely to use it for something it was never intended to be used for. Do you know, we live in a world where people do not know what they're here for. And that's why there's so much abuse, in its wider sense, I mean now. Why is there so much abuse in our world? Because we don't know what we're here for. And when we don't know what things are for, we tend to use them in the wrong kind of way. But secondly, more importantly, how on earth are you going to find out what these things are for? This is for sharpening uh, Anna's oboe reed, incidentally, in case you're still thinking about that. Uh, How do you find out? How do you find out what things are really made for? Unless you ask the person who created it, or you read the instruction manual that came with it, that has probably long perished with most of those things. What about your life? How are you going to find out your purpose unless you get to know your creator? How are you going to find out your purpose unless you read about it in the owner's manual? Otherwise, you are in danger, all of us with our lives, of simply using them in ways they were never intended because we can't figure out what they were really made for. So, the challenge that comes from the heart of Proverbs is this. That it's knowing God that results in every other kind of understanding. If you want to understand the meaning of life, if you want to understand your purpose here on earth, then you can write this down. You find your purpose by getting to know God. By getting to know God. For everything, absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, everything gets started and finds its purpose in Him. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and in everyone. 
If you're going to get to know your purpose, then you have to get to know God. If you want to get to know your purpose better, then you need to get to know God better. It's that simple. And that's why for these 40 days, we as a church are making a concentrated effort on our part to get to know God and His Word better. So I'm asking you to do those three things. I'm asking you to participate in a small group for the next six weeks. We've nearly 150 people now signed up into groups for these next six weeks. That's fantastic. And maybe you're thinking, I need to do that. I haven't got round to it. It's awfully late. It's not too late today to get yourself signed up in a group. Use the slip on the service sheet. I'm asking you every single day to read one chapter from The Purpose Driven Life. Today is day one. Week one, day one. Read one chapter today, one chapter tomorrow, 40 chapters takes us all the way to Good Friday. I'm asking you uh, to find time every day to do that. It will take 15 minutes. That's all, 15 minutes in your day. For most of us, it will be finding the same time in the same place that will work best for us. And thirdly, I'm asking you to get to church for these next six Sundays, seven Sundays including this one in order that we might set the theme together as the people of God and move through it during the week in our private devotion and when we meet in our small groups. If you can't be here on a Sunday, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, www.bbcpodcasting.com, you can hear it uh, on the web that way or download it or do whatever or take a CD from the back, however you choose. And if you add up the time that I'm asking you to spend for these next six weeks, it comes to less than 48 hours. 48 hours of our time to think through what it means to be placed here on earth for God and for his purpose. And all of us are at different stages in our spiritual journey. There are some of you here who are just seeking. You don't even know if this Christian stuff is real or not. That's fine. We're glad you're here. Journey with us. We, we, we'd love to share with you as much as we can. We invite you just to think about the things that we're talking about. We're glad you're on the journey. There are others of us here who are brand new believers. We've only recently become a Christian. And these 40 days will be a great start for you as you get to grips with some of these important things in the Christian life. Some of you are stumblers or drifters. You've come to that place in your Christian life where, you, yeah, you're a Christian and you're all signed up, but you're just drifting along. And maybe these 40 days will be the opportunity for you to come home to God. And some of you, many of you are strong believers, and you're going to go deeper into God. And my prayer is that you'll take others with you along that journey too. Because regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, look at this last verse. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. George Herbert once said, it's never too late to be who you might have been. It's never too late to be who you might have been. It's not too late. Let's pray. Father, as we come into communion, may we use these moments as an act of commitment to you. You gave everything for us. We give ourselves afresh to you through these 40 days. Encourage us and strengthen us for the journey, we pray.
Awaken how much we need to know your purpose in our lives. And when we know above all today that we were made, we were made to be loved by you.